goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into the Golden Homers podcast. It is Cal Week for Notre Dame after an 0-2 start. Week 1 loss to Ohio State in the shoe. Week 2 upset at home against Marshall for Marcus Freeman's first home game as the Notre Dame head football coach. However, we're moving on. Like I said, Notre Dame's 0-2, but they have Cal this week at home, favored by 10-11, to depending on where you uh, look at it. Uh, we have our game predictions, as always, our bold predictions, over-unders, we're also bringing in a new uh, topic for you guys this week. It's going to be Irish in the NFL, essentially just breaking down the top performances for Notre Dame in the NFL this week or this past week. And uh, eventually we're going to bring in the MLB, NHL, NBA talk as well, maybe some prospect talk in some of those leagues for you uh, just to kind of keep you guys in the loop. We think it's going to be fun, but answer some fan questions for you guys and just have a, a fun episode overall. As always, I'm Nathan Erbach. With me is Mason Plummer, my co-host. Let's get after it. What's going on, everybody? Golden Homers podcast here, as always, with Nathan Erbach and my co-host, Mason Plummer. Um, Mason, <laughs> it's been an interesting week. Uh, we, we obviously already kind of talked about the whole 0-2 start. Um, I don't know about you, man, but I'm kind of ready to just sort of move on. It's, uh, you know, we have a new QB1 in Drew Pine, for better or for worse. You know, the, I think there's going to be some changes this week to the offense. Uh, Tommy Reese in his press conference or in his talk with the media kind of took full responsibility, which I appreciate as a head coach or as a, as a coach in general, even if it isn't all his fault. Um, and I think, you know, obviously in the meetings, that's not necessarily what he's expressing to his team, but at least out loud, he's not going to sit there and throw anybody under the bus. And I, and I love that. Uh, Marcus Freeman seems to have a pretty no excuse mentality, but also, has stated that no one's really down right now. They, they kind of understand the mission and, you know, they, they knew that this wasn't going to be an easy road. And even though Marshall was probably not ex an expected path on that bumpy road, um, you know, that, you know, things are going to get better from here. And I think that starts, we'll get into our game predictions and stuff like that here soon. But um, I think that starts this week against Cal at home and in his second home, home start or home uh, head coaching appearance. So um, how are you doing? And uh, what, what, what do you want to kind of get into here? Yeah, I mean, it has to get better because, I, I mean, I don't think it can get worse, right? So, I mean, if you come out, I guess it could. You come out in the green and then lose to Cal at home. I guess that could be worse. Um, but, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm ready to hopefully talk about something positive. You know, I hope, I'm hoping for a positive performance, and then we're able to, to recap Cal in a positive way. I'm not used to Notre Dame losing their last three in a row. I can't tell you the last time that's happened um, as long as I've been a fan. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird, weird spot to be in. In a way, the season's kind of gone, but it's also not. So, um, you know, ready to get a win uh, in the win column. I think this Cal team's solid, but definitely beatable. I mean, I, I do think this Notre Dame team is very talented. They just haven't played to Notre Dame standards. So, uh, you know, the best players haven't played to to their standard. And I think that, you know, hopefully Marshall was a wake-up call um, as to the standard that they need to play to, you know, be Notre Dame football players and, uh, you know, represent um, everything that is Notre Dame. So um, excited. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's the word for Cal. I'm um, 
nervous a little bit, I think. I, I wish I was excited. I'm just worried about what we're going to see. I, I haven't been high on Pine for a long time now. I think he'll be fine, but um, I, I mean, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to put it is like, I mean, I'm excited just to watch football. So, and I'm excited for the idea that Notre Dame could turn this around. So I think excitement's an, an okay word to use, but you're right. I mean, there's, it's kind of like a nervous excitement. And if, you know, it feels like this is sort of like, you know, we had the Freeman era and everybody was super excited about it. And like, we're hoping that this kind of, it really starts this week um, to a, to a certain extent, but I, I will caution people. Like I'm not expecting Notre Dame to just kind of blow the doors off of Cal. And, and it's not because I think Cal's like some crazy good team or anything like that, but it's going to take baby steps for this to get better. And so like, I, and I, I think that's going to show in my game prediction. I, I know we haven't really talked about it. Um, like what yours is versus what mine is, but I, I'm not expecting Notre Dame to win this game like 45 to 14. Now, if they do, then maybe we can kind of just throw the Marshall game out the window. And I don't mean that in a, you know, obviously they will be one and two, but it, it might go to show some of the things that we were happy about in week one, because we, we referenced this earlier this week, how week one, even though it was 21 to 10, the offense didn't really do much. We thought the defense played well overall, even though maybe the defensive line specifically wasn't great, but it was one of those things where, okay, 21 to 10, you know, it was 14 to 10 with like five minutes left or whatever. That was something to be somewhat excited about for the rest of the season. When you play some of these teams like Clemson and USC, and then obviously it kind of just went out the window with, with Marshall. So if they can come out this week and kind of dominate Cal, like maybe we expected them to two weeks ago, then, you know, maybe there's a different mindset to this. And, you know, maybe Drew Pine's the guy for the job this this year with obviously, again, kind of a moot point with Buckner out. But there's just a lot of things that could happen this week that for someone like myself, and I know someone like you who we tend to be a little bit more optimistic than other fans um, for any of our teams, I guess, maybe me more so, so than you, but – yeah, I mean, I, I, there, there can be some different storylines that come out of this game in, in a big positive way. But then also, you know, if they win 17 to 14 and it's a grind or if they win or if they lose somehow, then maybe we're still sort of back wondering what's going on. But again, baby steps, I'll take a W and, and no matter how it comes this week and hopefully it gets, um, you know, incrementally better week by week as the as the year goes on. And I hope so. I mean, you can argue that all all of the position groups, all you know, both sides of the ball need we need to see a lot of improvement. And Cal isn't the best team in the country, so thank God you're not going into a Clemson or USC or somebody legit right now, or even BYU. You have another week where you can, you know, kind of try to figure things out before you hit the real meat of the schedule. Now that Ohio State's gone and apparently Marshall too, so um, yeah, I'm curious to see you know what the changes that Freeman and company make. Play some freshmen. Play, play some guys that haven't got a ton of experience, but, you know, maybe are showing that fire in practice and, um, you know, are, are willing to do what it takes to turn this around. I'm sure there are some bad attitudes around the team. Nobody ideally or nobody, you know, thought that Notre Dame would be <clears throat> 0-2, and that's not ideally where everybody wanted to be, but it's about, you know, what can you do now? So uh, it starts with Cal. Get that first win out of the way, and then we move forward from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And before we get into our game predictions and our over-unders and all that kind of stuff that we typically do, I kind of want to get this out of the way. 
Um, I mentioned this in the intro, but it's going to be something that we probably typically do on Tuesdays, uh, more so than Thursdays. Obviously, we highlight kind of the NFL week for Notre Dame players. Um, I was talking to you off air about this, but we're probably going to stick, keep it more towards like the, you know, if, if Notre Dame has a quarterback in the NFL, which they don't really have right now, unless Ian Book ends up playing for, for, for Philly in, in some capacity. But, you know, just kind of those skill position players, kind of like a fantasy outlook, I guess, more so than anything. And I, I kind of tweeted it out earlier this week. And um, let's kind of find this tweet real quick. But, um, you know, there was some good performances. And I think week by week we're going to do it. It's going to be the Irish in the NFL segment. Week by week, it doesn't really matter if it's five guys or 10 guys or three guys. We're going to highlight kind of like the best performances from um, the Notre Dame players in the NFL. And just kind of getting back to the, uh, the tweet right here, I think the two biggest performances were both on the defensive side of the football. Um, Drew Tranquil and Harrison Smith both had really solid days for their for their teams and in, in wins. Um, Harrison Smith had seven tackles, one pass defended and an interception. Uh, Drew Tranquil, six tackles, one pass defended and an interception. Um, and then the other the other um, defensive player I mentioned was Jeremiah Usukoromoa, who had five tackles with one of those being a tackle for loss. So from the defensive side of things, I think those were kind of the three best performances this week. Um, also want to highlight the fact that it was Kyle Hamilton's first game um, in an NFL uniform with the Ravens. Um, he had three solo tackles. It looks like maybe he missed a few tackles here and there, and there's still kind of some people out there that are questioning whether or not he should have been a high pick. But um, I think me and you both know that once he gets comfortable, he's going to be a really solid player. And I think most most Ravens fans or most NFL fans out there um, expect that as well. So, um, yeah, those are the highlights, I think, from at least the defensive side of the ball. Mason, any, any kind of observations on that or anything like that before we get into some of the top offensive performers? Nothing crazy, but um, yeah, people would be crazy to write off uh, Kyle Hamilton after one game. You're getting comfortable with the speed of the NFL is one thing. So three solo tackles, I'll take that. I'm just waiting for that first pick six. It's going to happen here in the first couple of weeks. Maybe I'll make that a, a bold prediction. I'd say within the first four or five weeks, he's going to have some sort of crazy athletic play that we've seen. And then also, I got to watch a lot of that Chargers game, mainly because I have a lot of Chargers on my fantasy teams. And uh, Drew Tranquil played better than those stats show. His impact is felt on special teams, is felt defensively. He's all over the place, and he's a really key part of that Chargers defense and special teams, even if he hasn't talked about a ton. Yeah, and one thing I noticed about the Tranquil pick specifically, because I didn't get to watch as much as that game as I wanted to, um, but when I saw the highlight, it kind of like showed off his like high school safety skills or even his early Notre Dame safety skills that he had, because we know he's a great athlete. He plays linebacker at a at a high level from an athleticism standpoint. So um, he's honestly like he's sort of built like Harrison Smith and Harrison Smith's just such a freaky athlete at at safety that it doesn't make a difference. But it, it was kind of interesting to see both of them make interceptions from obviously two different spots, but guys that kind of came to Notre Dame at as safeties both played linebacker a little bit at Notre Dame as well and then ultimately settled into different positions so um, good for those guys and I think both of them obviously Harrison Smith's well on his way to a possible Hall of Fame career um, but Drew Tranquil I think is you know not a Hall of Famer by any means but a guy that's going to be a, a solid player in the NFL for for many years to come assuming he can stay healthy did you say possible well okay you know what I'm you never know I mean, I don't know, man. Devin Hester didn't make the Hall of Fame in his first ballot, and that kind of pissed me off. So I'm never just going to say possible for I'll always say possible for everybody unless it's literally like Tom Brady or something like that where you know it's 100%. But I think me and you both agree that Harrison Smith, at least right now, assuming he plays a few more years, he, he should 
probably be a Hall of Famer based on his accolades so far. He looks, he still looks legit. I got to watch a lot of that Vikings game too. He's flying across the field, making hits just like he always has. And he looks like he hasn't lost a step yet. I kind of figured with him this year and next that he would kind of go downhill. And I mean, it's week one, but he looks fresh and ready, ready to go. So I, I love it. Yeah. And he's the only guy on the Vikings left. That's a, that's a former Notre Dame player, which he, they used to be like Notre Dame U over there. Uh, it felt like, you know, with Kyle Rudolph and a couple other guys and, now I think it's at least on week one. Actually, no, you know what? I told you this in a, in a text yesterday or two days ago. I think I'm wrong. I think the Lions still have guys, multiple guys that I wasn't considering. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Tommy Kramer, Brock Wright, Julian Aquara are all Did on McKinley their active. Say again? Did McKinley get cut? McKinley's cut and then Romeo Aquara is is on the IR right now so I do think so I, I think so our two teams the Bears and the Steelers have are tied for the most Notre Dame players with three on active for their active 53 and I think the Lions are also tied and once Romeo Aquara comes back or assuming he comes back this year um, that would make it four for them so they would actually take the lead but um, but I know for, for your Steelers, you have the two receivers in Claypool and Boinkin, and then you have Jameer Jones, who you guys picked up from the Jaguars, who you used to also have. So it's kind of back and forth there. And then for the Bears, it's Sam Mustafer, Equinemius Sam Brown, who we're about to get into, along with Claypool, actually, and um, Cole Komet, who, who's the other guy. But he, uh, he, he didn't have his best week. But I'm assuming he'll probably be on here um, a few times. But, uh, but, yeah, so getting into, like, the other guys, I mean, Claypool, um, as you know, I mean, he had 18 yards receiving, but he also added 36 yards on the ground, which has kind of been a thing for him throughout his NFL career so far. He, he definitely gets some, some carries, not like a Debo Samuel type of carry, but like he'll get those end arounds and stuff like that. And they, they use him in creative ways in the red zone, um, specifically in his rookie season. And I hope to kind of see that this year. And that kind of gave me some hope as a fantasy owner for him that, um, you know, maybe that will be the case. Um, I think he led their team in rushing. Um, which was kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, you went out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I found that kind of funny, though. And then uh, the other guy, obviously, Equinemius St. Brown, who used to be a Packer, is now on the Bears. Kind of had a Kevin Austin-like leave when it came to Notre Dame. A lot of people thought he should have returned and kind of upped his stock again, but he did get drafted. It stuck around the league, and, and kudos to him. He, had, he only had one catch, but it was a crazy weather game in Chicago. Um, and that one catch happened to be an 18-yard touchdown. So him and Claypool um, both had 18 yards receiving. Claypool added the, the, the yardage on the ground. And then Equinemius St. Brown added the, uh, the touchdown through the air. So, so those are probably the, in my opinion at least, the kind of like those top, the top weeks for Notre Dame players this, uh, this in week one. Yeah, and Claypool got – he did get one of those end arounds and got stuffed right at the one. So could have been a touchdown, kind of some poor blocking there. The play was well-designed. It just wasn't well-executed. So I'm expecting to see that more. I think the Steelers are going to have to be creative, especially if Nazi does miss time. And the, the offense is just kind of funky the way it is. So use your, your best athletes, and that's playful for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, uh, this is going to be a weekly segment. Like I said, it's going to be on Tuesdays. For now, we'll kind of keep it to NFL talk. But I think eventually we might bring some MLB um, news to you guys when it comes to players, um, kind of keeping that golden homers, the original thing, kind of at – um, and, and play a little bit, maybe even some prospects, because I know we, me and you both follow, um, you know, the 
the, the minor leagues for, for baseball as well. And there's plenty of guys like Nico Cavadas having a tremendous year in, uh, in the minors for, for Notre Dame or as a former Notre Dame player. And then we'll throw in some NBA and some, some NHL guys, I think down the road as well. NHL is about to happen here in the next couple of weeks or to a month. And, you know, obviously the NBA is not too far behind in that regard. So uh, interesting segment that we think we can bring to you guys that to just kind of adds more to the podcast. So with that said though, Mason, let's maybe move on to uh, let's do, you know what, do you want to do bold predictions first or over-unders? I'll throw with bold predictions. Okay. Do you want to go first or I can go? I don't care. Yeah, I've got mine right here. So firstly, I'm feeling a defensive touchdown. That's the first thing that came to mind. So I'm just going to roll with it. Um, I'm feeling a pick six or something early on, actually. Um, Get everybody. I know everybody pumped, you know, kind of shake off whatever the hell has been going on this year. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should call my shot on a player. Um, I'll say Tariq Bracey because he's been so good so far. I'll say he, he houses one. Everybody's pumped. And then uh, hopefully carries the momentum on throughout the game. I have two, actually. Um, I have Chris Tyree. Um, we both agree that he hasn't had enough touches yet. I think he scores twice, one through the air and one rushing. Okay. I like it. So I'll stick with the Tyree talk because I mentioned this to you. But I tweeted out uh, a couple days ago that – or I think it was yesterday – that Tyree has 12 touches right now through the first two weeks of the season. And I think that he gets at least 12 touches in this game. So he, he matches what his production is over the first two weeks from a touch standpoint um, this week, maybe that's not bold enough. So I'll kind of just throw in that. I agree with you that I think he gets at least one score. So I'll say he gets at least 12 touches and at least a score, whether it's going to be through the air or on the ground, but uh, maybe even has over 100 yards. So just to add to that a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, my second one is actually going to go, it's going to stick, stick on offense here. And it's going to be about Drew Pine. Um, last week, I mentioned that Tyler Buckner was going to have four touchdowns. Um, he got halfway there before he got hurt. And who knows, maybe he was well on, maybe he would have ended with four if, in, in a W if, if he didn't get hurt. But uh, at least it was possible based on how the game ended. But uh, I'll say Drew Pine has no turnovers. And I think that's important because the fact that not only is Cal's offense or defense uh, considered a pretty, pretty good defense, especially for the PAC 12. Um, that's kind of their calling card is that, you know, they can't score with teams, but they can kind of stay in games relatively speaking because of their defensive front and their linebacker or their top linebacker is the son of the son of the coach and stuff. So a guy that's just a, a really solid overall player, their safety is considered a, or one of their top safeties is, is considered a really solid player and possibly an NFL guy down the road. So um, I'm going to go and say Drew Pine has zero turnovers um, in this game. And I think that's pretty bold based on what we've been hearing about his practices, perform- practice performances uh, throughout the fall and, and spring. And then obviously we saw what happened last week when he when he joined um, or when he entered the game. So I'm going to say Drew Pine has zero, zero turnovers. I think that would be huge for Notre Dame, not turning the ball over. I mean, that means more sustained drives, not giving the the opponent the ball <clears throat> in good field position. So, yeah, I think that would be huge. I think he probably does turn it over, but I'd, I'd like if he didn't. And I'm going to briefly bring up something here because I think it just happened on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen it yet. So coming at like breaking news live from Twitter, kind of. Um, Notre Dame just tweeted their Irish Fair Green uniforms. And they have the names on the back. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know. Maybe that's not going to actually be the case. Maybe it's just kind of pumping guys up and NIL and all that kind of stuff. But 
Notre Dame, the Notre Dame football account just put out the Irish wear green uniforms and it has names on the back and they're actually pretty sick. I just don't like the blue numbers. I can't, I mean, they're fine. I just wish they weren't blue. That it looks like the, it looks like the hockey jerseys though. Fine. Make the numbers gold. I don't know. I like them. I guess we can disagree there. I, I wouldn't mind them if they were gold, but I think they look a lot like the hockey jerseys, the, the Kelly green hockey jerseys that people wear and fans seem to love those ones. So I think they're kind of playing into that a little bit. And um, I can tell you what, I might, maybe I'll find myself buying one of these down the line if I can get my hands on one. Yeah. Uh, if not, you can always trust the uh, DH gate. <laughs> exactly. China. Exactly. So, all right, man, let's get into uh, over-unders. All right, this is my segment. Um, let's get ready here. Over-under, 28 and a half total points for Notre Dame. Um, and that's not just offensively, but to- 28 and a half total points in the game. Man, you did this on purpose, I know, because I gave you my score prediction a day ago. Um, I'm going to stick with my score prediction because I was actually kind of pondering a little bit if I wanted to go a little over what I said. Um, just to kind of make it seem a little bit better. Cause I, I have this weird feeling, man, that they're just going to get things together this week and not, and like I said, not, not from a perspective where like, okay, it's things are back to normal, but just kind of one of those, like we're angry games. Cause it's hard to be like angry when you come out of Ohio state. Cause I think even the players are like, okay, like, yeah, we lost. We, there was a chance for us to win that game, but we also know that it was at Ohio State. They're a really good football team. We played our asses off, and it just we didn't come out with the W. Last week, though, like there's there's a no excuse type of thing against Marshall. So I could see them coming out angry. Offensive line playing much better. The running game getting better. Things like that. So like part like there is a part of me that thinks this game could end up like thirty five to seven or something like that. Something crazy. Um, but for right now, I am going to have my subdued and a little bit, I guess, more of a realistic prediction. And I'm going to say they go barely under the 28 and a half. That's what I have too. Unfortunately, just a little bit under until I'm proven wrong. I don't want to be, you know, too much of a homer. I don't think that they get over 28 and a half. I could see them hitting 28 on the dot. That's close to my prediction, but, um, yeah, I don't think they get over um, I think a lot of that does have to do with the Cal defense. The Cal yeah. defense is considered good. And so Notre Dame can win this like 28 to seven pretty handily, for example, and they would still hit the under. Right. Um, moving on, onto your boy Pine, over or under 200 total passing yards? I'm going to say over. What, what would you put the line at? What, where do you feel comfortable? I think, I think like 200 to 250 is, is pretty good. I mean, he's not the runner that Buckner is. I think there's going to be chances for, you know, for him to pick up some yardage on the ground. But we know that that's not, at least in my opinion, I know the, the coaches have said the game plan's not going to change much, but I just don't see how Pine isn't you utilized at least more as a passer than Buckner. I don't even think he's a better passer than Buckner, to be completely honest with you. But he's not, a, he, the running ability, I just don't think is there. So, and I'm expecting a better week. Like I said, just overall, I'm expecting a better week offensively, even if it's, like I said, just kind of incrementally better. And I'm going to say he kind of gets into the low, low to mid 200s passing. I think that's fair. That's right about where I have him. Um, I think I have him over. So expect him to have a good day, just purely kind of because I don't think he'll run as much. And I think that they're going to have to throw it around a little bit more, especially if the offensive line whether it's run blocking or pass blocking, I guess, just isn't playing up to par still. But I do think they 
kind of turn it around this week. Um, sticking with the theme of Pine and, and Tyree, um, over under 13 and a half total touches for Chris Tyree. Man, you really stole a lot of my thunder here today. <laughs> I'm going to say over. I'm going to say it's 14. I know it's barely over. I have them at least hitting 12. I think it's one of those things where they realize that last week specifically he should have touched the ball more. Um, I think he's kind of like what you said, where maybe the defense has like that big turnover early on in the game and it just kind of sparks things. I think maybe Tyree does something like that as well. Like opening drive goes for like a 60 yard touchdown or like a big play in the passing game or something like that. Um, and, and it kind of just gets the juices going on offense specifically. And then obviously builds some confidence for the Notre Dame staff to just leave them out there and kind of ride the hot hand. So I'll say he gets 14 touches, which I think is a right around the mark, 14 to 15, maybe, maybe like say 10 to 15 is what he should have on a weekly basis. Yeah, I'm taking over as well because I think he gets to, you know, 10 or 11 carries, then a couple of receptions in there, call it good. <clears throat> and then lastly, I just added this kind of a joke, kind of not, um, over under one and a half games until we see Steve Jelly. Man, that's a tough question because I think the first two weeks it would probably have to be due to injury or maybe, maybe against Cal. Because I think North Carolina is going to score a little bit too much to kind of blow that game away at the end. Maybe against Cal, if it's like 31 to seven or something like that in the fourth. And you just you want to make sure that your freshman can get some reps just in case he's going to need it this year. Because I still think he's probably going to have to get into a game at some point um, because of injury. I mean, Pine's not the biggest dude in the world. So I could, or, you know, a helmet pops off, whatever it is, like there, there's going to be a chance. So I'm going to say under for these two weeks, for these next two weeks, what did you say? One and a half? One and a half. Yeah. So that would mean, yeah. Whether he gets in against Cal and then um, North Carolina. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I'll say he doesn't get in against, uh, sorry. Also, I guess I'm taking the over. I would say he does not get in against Cal or North Carolina. I'm going to take the under because I think he does. Um, I Like you kind of hit on it, Pine is smaller. I, I do think if Notre Dame gets into a comfortable lead, they want to see – they want to get him on the field before they need him. That's just kind of my opinion on it. Um, they, they want him to have snaps before it's like a crucial, like, go win the game for us kind of situation. So I'm kind of hoping that that's, that is the case and maybe uh, just being optimistic here that – Notre Dame has the game comfortable late in the fourth and he can get a drive or two and maybe they don't score, but just to get himself in a real game as a true freshman, I think would be cool. Um, that is all I have for over under. If you want to move on to uh, game predictions. Yeah. Yeah. Game predictions. Like you kind of, you kind of, like I said, 28 and a half, you sort of gave it away to an extent, um, or at least I gave it away after I said it. So I said something after you said it, but uh, what I texted you was 28 to 14. Um, I think it's going to be somewhat sloppy, but also a better game than we've seen. I think Notre Dame's going to have it wrapped up in the final five minutes where we're not nervous um, with five minutes to go. I think it's legitimately maybe going to be 28 to seven. And then maybe Cal scores makes it 28 to 14 with like under five minutes left or something like that. So it's not going to be one of those things where Notre Dame's having to score a touchdown to go up by two. So if you're listening to this and you're a betting guy, I guess I'm saying take the take Notre Dame in the spread, but I also am not super confident in that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say 28 to 14 Notre Dame. All right. Um, I'll take 24, 13. I think it's going to be right on the spread. Unfortunately, I think it will be a late touchdown that 
not super late, but middle of the fourth quarter that does put it away. I'm being conservative here because usually I'm not. Um, I think that seems about right. Three touchdowns, maybe even one of those is defensive, like my prediction. And then one field goal seems about right. I don't know what to truly expect from the offense anymore. And I do think Cal's defense is legit. So it's kind of a bad combo there. And then uh, 13 points, that wouldn't be horrible from the defense. You know, Cal's offense is formidable. It's not, you know, they're not going to roll over. And the defense hasn't proved to be anything crazy. So I'll roll with 24-13, just over the line of 10.5 that I just checked before uh, releasing my score prediction. So I guess that would be Notre Dame covering, but um, by the littlest amount possible. So I do think they'll cover, but I'm done betting on Notre Dame for the year. So probably, probably for the best. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, it, you know, it's funny if I would have gone with your bold prediction of a score by the defense, I probably would have gone over the 28, um, which I think could certainly happen. I think the offense is going to do enough this week to kind of get into like the high 20s. Uh, mid to high 20s and then the uh if the defense throws in a score or something like that as well um then I, I could see them get pushing into the 30s for sure so hopefully man I know we're maybe we're a little bit too optimistic based on what we've seen but I think we both agree that that uh Notre Dame is still a really talented football team and things should like the ship should be righted to to a certain extent um whether it's this week or or soon in the future um, neither of us see this as a team that's probably going to go like six and six on the season. I think we're expecting it to be better. So they're a lot better than they've shown for sure. I'm just waiting to see if they actually decided to show it. So hopefully this is a get right week. I need it to be for my mental health and everything else. So, yep, yeah, absolutely. And I meant to mention this earlier because uh, we are uh, we are guys that like to talk about recruiting. And over the last couple of weeks, we haven't done it as much as maybe we want to. Um, but last week, Jer- Notre Dame did host Jeremiah Love for the Marshall game. Even with the loss, it doesn't seem like things are really trending negatively there. Actually, it looks like they might even be tre- trending more positively than it was before going before getting on campus. So maybe we see some good news with Jeremiah Love here soon. Notre Dame also has Tayshawn Lyons coming into town this weekend, who's probably outside of Love, maybe their top uncommitted target outside of a possible QB. Wow. Um, yeah, and he's a guy that you know, when they, when they offered him, I mentioned some things that, you know, I think he's a great route runner and has some just kind of glides out there and he's kind of blown up this year a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he works his way into like the top 200 at some point and is a much better prospect than people give him credit for right now. Um, With that being said, he's also a four-star guy already. So uh, I think he's a guy that can kind of just kind of keep elevating maybe like kind of sort of how Dylan Edwards is right now, where he looks like he's having a terrific senior season as well. And, could eventually end up being a top 150 guy and, uh, you know, pretty much consensus. So those are the guys to kind of look out for. I think Notre Dame has some interesting, you know, 2024s and some 2025s on campus as well. We won't get too much into that because that's all under a paywall. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to steal that kind of info. And then there's some other 2023 guys like on campus. I think Drake Bowen, Devin Houston, and, uh, uh, what is it? Ben Minnick are all going to be on campus this week or Ben Minich, however you say it. Um, but, uh, so, so definitely some guys, um, I wouldn't worry too much about this class overall. Maybe really the only guy to kind of think about is, uh, Peyton Bowen. Um, you know, I think there's still a chance that he flips somewhere, but, uh, I think as of right now, I still lean towards Notre Dame keeping him, even if it's a little bit less than I thought before the 0-2 start. Um, anything to add to that, Mason? Not a whole lot. I think that they can pitch early playing time to Peyton Bowen, given the, the way the safety looks 
right now. I know that's kind of a, that's a weird thing, you know, I, and I crap on other schools for doing that, you know, for being bad or whatever. Like I would say, you know, if Michigan were to be pitching early playing time, I was like, yeah, cause you suck like Donovan Edwards or something like that. But um, yeah. Now I want to throw this out there though. Did, I, did you see my, I think it got deleted on the message boards because someone brought up like another, like, uh, like the TOS comments where you're talking about the other sites. Did you know that right now Michigan has 14 guys committed and none of them have an Notre Dame offer? None of them. I did see that. That's hilarious. Like, like so to say that no, that Michigan's going to steal recruits from Notre Dame when they don't even have a current guy committed in a class that, you know, coming off of a playoff, I'm getting a little heated right now and like getting a little sparked about it, but it's, it's just kind of funny that they have 14 guys committed. They're coming off a playoff appearance and they're two and oh, and they look pretty good, even though they're playing crappy opponents so far. And, you know, all of the JJ McCarthy talk, everybody wants him to be the starter. Now he is. And they have 14 guys. I think they only have like three, maybe four, four stars out of those, out of those guys. And none of them, none of them have Notre Dame offers, which is insane to me considering that first of all the majority of Notre Dame's commits have have Michigan offers and it's a a significantly better class and I don't dude it's it is weird to me like I I'm not a Michigan guy I know you hate Michigan probably more than more than I do but it's just odd to me how they have that many kids committed and none of them are have been competed with for like with Notre Dame for example no, it is weird, and I'm sure they're going to hype up that, that whatever record they're sporting. I know they're undefeated right now by playing non-conference trash cans. So um, hopefully their three-star recruits are liking that. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I guess the only guys to really look – I mean, I'm not, I'm not even speculating here, but I know guys that were kind of down to Notre Dame and Michigan to an extent were Devin Houston, who's going to be on campus for Notre Dame this week, so I doubt it. I mean, I think he's locked in. Charles Jagasaw, I'm pretty sure, is locked in. It seems like there's not really any news there outside of maybe people trying to spark something that's not there. Outside of that, I'm not really sure who Michigan was really even like sort of in that last group for for Notre Dame um, or against Notre Dame. So maybe those are the two guys. If you guys had to look for someone or a couple guys said, you know, that maybe Michigan's at least trying to get in the ear with, then those are the guys. But I, outside of Peyton Bowen, man, I really, really don't see anything happening with this class unless just the rails go completely, completely off. Yeah, if anything, I think it's more likely that Notre Dame gets an addition um, from, a, from a Michigan kid, CJ Carr. So that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I think at this point, me and you both agree that it's probably more likely than not that he reclassifies. But again, that's, again, that's somewhat just speculation. Yeah, that's a gut feeling, but that's just kind of the way I feel. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, shorter episode for you guys this week now that we're doing two um, on a weekly basis. Wanted to bring you guys our thoughts on the Cal game and just on Notre Dame in general. I'm Nathan Erbach. You can find me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Erbach. You can find Mason at Mason Plummer underscore. Obviously, follow the Golden Homers as well at Golden Homers. Find us anywhere you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, which I know Mason hates, but we still have to throw it out there. And I think the majority of you listen from there. So um, again, guys, thanks for listening. Go Irish.